Trigger warning, you're about to listen to the American Christian Thinker. Trigger warning. Anybody who can't handle adult conversations, topics, this is your trigger warning that we are giving you right now. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. You are about to be triggered. Give me a joke. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm literally about to fucking kill myself and I'm not kidding. You better fucking fix this shit right now. I literally am going to die. I need an ambulance. Welcome to the American Christian Thinker. I am so sorry to my world. I am so sorry to my world. Trigger warning, you're about to listen to the American Christian Thinker. Trigger warning. There's so much potential um, for beauty and for devastation. In this one moment, it's just almost incomprehensible that they can exist right now. So, so close. Welcome to the American Christian Thinker. Welcome to the American Christian Thinker Podcast, brought to you by The Theology Pit. As Christians, we're called to act and not just sit back. We confront the culture head-on, dealing with social justice warriors, atheists, anti-Christians, cults, and religions. All and any topics will be socially driven. What trends publicly will get attended to publicly. Now, here's your host, Samson Kovac. Hey everyone, welcome to the American Christian Thinker. I'm your host, Samson Kovach. Here at the American Christian Thinker, we're looking at social topics and we're continuing on with our thought and our look and our understanding and our teaching and our learning about the history of the Democrat Party, why liberals are called libtards, and how that is aptly named because they truly are slow learners. And hopefully, if they're listening to this podcast, they will be educated and they can learn just a little bit faster and understand why people could not stand by them, especially with this election, especially with Hillary Clinton, and how people are waking up to the terrible lies that are the racist Democrat Party, the ones that shackles people's minds and keep them on the plantation. And as long as you stay on the Democrat plantation, they're fine with you. Now, we're going back to um, a look at the beginning of the Democrat Party. And in the last episode, we looked at the Trail of Tears and the first two Democrat presidents and the way that they behaved. And obviously, This was absolutely terrible. Now, with um, Andrew Jackson, the Democrat Party adopted its name that it currently holds as Democrats, i.e. as democracy. Now, America is not a democracy. We are a constitutional representative republic. Well, what's the difference, you might ask, because I've been told my whole life that we're a democracy, and that's a lie. That's another lie from the Democrat Party, and the reason why they want that is because they want mob rule. They do not want a representative republic. Now, the definition of a democracy... 
means that it is the rule of the people. Okay, basically it means the people system. It means that the people as a whole that they vote and control their government. Okay, now you might be thinking, well, that's good because I think that the people should be in charge. No, you don't understand. It's mob rule. It is 51%. It is, I can do whatever I want to you if I have enough power behind me and all I have to do is get this power grab behind me. A republic, a representative republic, is the fact that each individual person has power, has authority, that they delegate to someone else through an election, okay? And a constitutional representative republic is under the constitution, under the rule of law. The rule of law says that the government needs to be held accountable in this way. The constitution, especially the bill of rights in the amendments, First 10 Amendments state that the government recognizes that you possess these rights, that you have this power. Okay, it's already been granted to you. It's not something the government can give because the government can't take it away. A democracy, what is given to you can be taken away. And that's the difference. And that's why they gravitated towards this word of Democrat, because they want to be a mob rule. If you notice the way uh, these libtards are acting right now with their little hissy fits and crying and and having protests and breaking stuff and screaming, this is what democracy looks like. Yeah, that is. And that's why we're not a democracy. Okay. But we know exactly what you want because you want that power. You want to control people. You want to tell them what to do. People are only free to do what you tell them that they're allowed to do. So in continuing with this, we left off um, from the Trail of Tears and we moved into uh, the second uh, Democrat president of the United States, which is Martin Van Buren. And Martin Van Buren, um, again, I'm, I'm reading this from um, the article called uh, The True and Detailed Racist History of the Democratic Party by uh, Robert Zerfing. Now, I'll, I'll just continue on with this. <clears throat> Let's see here. Andrew Jackson's second term vice president, Martin Van Buren, became his successor and the second Democrat president of the United States. One of Van Buren's first orders as president was the Trail of Tears, not Andrew Jackson. He sent 7,000 troops to Georgia to expedite the process and march the remaining Cherokee holdouts the 1,200 miles to the Indian Territory, presently known as Oklahoma. It is also important to note that the only other measurable thing that the second Democrat president did was oppose the slaves on the Amistad having their freedom. The Amistad, this is me talking here, um, the Amistad case was this, that in February of 1939, Portuguese slave hunters went out and abducted a large group of Africans from Sierra Leone and shipped them to Havana, Cuba, okay, a center for slave trade. The, this abduction violated all the treaties then in existence. 53 Africans were purchased by two Spanish planters and brought aboard the Cuban schooner Amistad for shipment to the Caribbean 
plantation. On July 1st, 1839, the Africans seized the ship, killed the captain and the cook, and ordered the planters to sail to Africa because, honestly, they were fighting back. They were not going to be slaves. They would rather die than be slaves. So on August 24th, 1839, the Amistad was seized off of Long Island, New York by the U.S. Brig Washington. I guess the when they told them sail to Africa, they must have gotten a little confused and went north because going from Cuba and ending up in New York, uh, you don't have a very good... Um, you know, sense of direction if you're doing that. So um, the planners were freed and the Africans were imprisoned, okay, in New Haven, Connecticut on charges of murder. Although the murder charges were dismissed, the Africans continued to be held in confinement as the focus of the case turned to salvage claims and property rights. President Van Buren was in favor of extraditing the Africans to Cuba. However, abolitionists in the North opposed extradition and raised money to defend the Africans. Who did? The abolitionists. That's right, the Christians. The people who would become the Republican Party. Okay, The abolitionists raised money to defend these Africans that were trying to free themselves and were doing whatever they could possible and fighting their, the people that tried to enslave them, the people that tried to capture them. Claims to the Africans by the planters, the government of Spain, and the captain of the brig led to the case uh, led the case to federal tri- to trial in the federal district court in Connecticut. The court ruled that the case fell within federal jurisdiction and that the claims of the Africans as property were not legitimate because they were illegally held as slaves. The case went to the Supreme Court in January 1841. The former president, John Quincy Adams, argued the defendant's case. Adams defended the right of the accused to fight to regain their freedom. The Supreme Court decided in favor of the Africans, and 35 of them returned to their own to their homeland. The others died at sea or in prison while awaiting trial. Okay, now Martin Van Buren, he um, he opposed the slaves having their freedom. That's the only other thing he's known for. That's what Democrats are always known for, fighting against the rights of black people or people who they seem to be inferior from having equal rights in this country. The third Democrat president is often referred to as the worst president, though there are many others who also compete for this title. James Polk is considered a bad president because he was the first president to invade a foreign country, Mexico, for land in the Mexican-American War, now known as New Mexico, Arizona, and California. Yet, this is yet another case that liberals always refer to when trash-talking American history. The fourth Democratic president was Franklin Pierce, another shining example of Democrat racism when he signed the Kansas-Nebraska Act in 1854, which repealed the ban of slavery in the Western territories. This one occurrence caused a political revival as abolitionist Democrats, Whigs, and free uh, soilers all united to create the Republican Party. What's a free soiler, you ask? Somebody who owns their own property, is on it, and is free of any color, generally uh, black people at this time. And they created the Republican Party. 
Okay. Franklin Pierce, in essence, was the pebble that started the landslide that soon became the American Civil War. The fifth Democratic president was James Buchanan, and like his four predecessors, was a horrible and incredibly bigoted person. Not only was he racist, but he also declared a war on Mormons, calling their community a strange system of terrorism. He blamed the abolitionists for the upcoming civil war starting. Before many years, the abolitionists will bring war upon this land, he said but didn't do anything in an attempt to stop it from happening. Not to mention that he was very influential in the Dred Scott decision. And the Dred Scott decision was Dred Scott... Dred Scott versus Stanford. Um, the Supreme Court decision, Dred Scott versus Stanford, was issued on March 6, 1857, delivered by Chief Justice Roger Taney. Um, his, uh, this opinion declared that slaves were not citizens of the United States and could not sue in federal courts. In addition, this decision declared that the Missouri Compromise was unconstitutional and that Congress did not have the authority to prohibit slavery in Territories. Dred Scott decision was overturned by the 13th and 14th Amendment of the Constitution. The sixth Democrat president is Andrew Johnson. He was a Democrat when he was the vice president of Abraham Lincoln, but ran for president under the flag of the National Union Party. As president, he was responsible for the amazing failure of Reconstruction and was admittedly against any and all civil rights legislation, as you will soon see examples of. In 1868, he was also the very first president in the United States to be impeached. When the process started, he declared, quote, This is a country for white men and by God. As long as I am president, it shall be a government of white men, unquote. Also, in 1868, the Democrat Georgia Congress expelled its 25 African-American members. All of them were Republican, including civil rights activist Tennis Campbell. They remained expelled, harassed, and threatened until Republican U.S. President, uh, President U.S. Grant reinstated all of them in 1869. Now, we have covered the first five Democrat presidents so far that have led to the Civil War, and I'm sure that liberals will say, but they're just presidents. The Congress passes these things. So, since there's a large gap between Democrat presidents after the Civil War, let's focus on the Congress for a minute. And I'd just like to interject something here. The time between when the slaves were free, okay, when the emancipation... Uh, Emancipation Proclamation was signed and was stated, you can find stories told by the slaves themselves in what's called slave narratives. This was a project that was done in the 1930s, and you, it's housed in the Library of Congress. It's all free. You can find it online. I've read a couple volumes of them, and you hear slaves in their own words. A lot of these were audio recordings, and then they wrote out phonetically. You can still hear some of the audio recordings of people who were former slaves asking what it was like to be a slave, and they asked just some standard questions. Um, what political party do you belong to? A lot of them said Republican because they're the ones who freed us. They asked them, do they remember um, when they were freed? Uh, you know, any, any types of details. And they all have very similar stories about 
Democrats trying to buy their votes, about them being harassed by the KKK, the Jayhawks, and the Bushwhackers to keep the Democrat Party pure. And they would say things like, well, as long as you know we were Republican, they were okay with that. But if we were a Democrat, then that's when you got in the trouble if they knew that you were a Democrat because they wanted their party pure and they didn't want this defiled, disgusting weeds of a, of a race in their midst. And that's a lot of eugenics. Uh, talk that comes out, and you heard some of that from uh, Margaret Sanger a couple podcasts ago. But it's in that um, you know time in the 19 teens and into the 20s, whenever that started uh, getting to be really big. So back to the uh, back to the article. 1865 marked the passage of the 13th Amendment. The 13th Amendment was the constitutional amendment that stated that no persons could be held in slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime. This passed Congress with 84 Republicans and only 14 Democrats voting to pass it with zero Republicans and 49 Democrats voting against it. The Republicans were completely united in the passage of the 13th Amendment. Next came the Civil Rights Act of 1866. This law granted all citizens equal rights regardless of color, without distinction of race or color, or previous condition of slavery or involuntary servitude. This bill was passed with an initial vote of 84 Republicans and zero Democrats voting yes, and zero Republicans and vote and 32 Democrats voting no. This passage was vetoed by Democrat President Johnson, and the veto was overturned. This was the precursor to the 14th Amendment. Again, the Civil Rights Act of 1866 complete Republican solidarity in passing that to get these rights for people who were former slaves and for black people. And it had to take a Democrat president to veto it. And then the Congress overturned it in order to make sure that it passed. The Republican Congress later passed the 14th Amendment with an initial vote of 137 Republicans and zero Democrats voting yes, with zero Republicans and 32 Democrats voting no. The 14th Amendment granted citizenship to all persons born or naturalized in the United States, basically placing the Civil Rights Act of 1866 into the Constitution. Again, Republicans completely united on the 13th and 14th Amendment and the Civil Rights Act of 1866, and almost completely void, save 14 Democrats on the 13th Amendment. Another two pieces of legislation was passed in 1870, the 15th Amendment and the Enforcement Act of 1870. The 15th Amendment granted the right to vote to all Americans regardless of race and and was the Enforcement Act of 1870, which prohibited discrimination by state officials in voter registration on the basis of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. This law was inspired by the it was inspired by the Ku Klux Klan intimidating black voters at the polls. Both of these laws were passed, and like those before it, with 115 Republicans and zero. 
Democrats voting yes, with zero Republicans and 83 Democrats voting no. Again, the Republicans stood united in enforcing the act to make sure that people were not being intimidated at the polls, and because that's what the Democrats were doing. Now, if you remember to um, November of 2008... What were the Democrats doing then out in Philadelphia? The Black Panther Party was intimidating white voters so that they could not vote. It's on videotape, standing there with their with their billy clubs and everything else saying, nah, we gonna have ourselves a black president. And they were intimidating because that is who the Democrats are. That is what the Democrat Party does. Also, around this time, this is when the NRA started getting involved, too. The NRA were the ones who were teaching the former slaves how to shoot. They were getting them armed. They were making sure that they could protect themselves. While the Democrats were forming the Ku Klux Klan, the Republicans were forming the NAACP. Back to the article. There was another act that was passed shortly thereafter called the Civil Rights Act of 1875. This act was put in place to guarantee African Americans equal treatment in public accommodations, public transportation, and to prohibit exclusion from jury service. Keeping up with the trend of the last decade, 161 Republicans and again, zero Democrats voted yes with 12 Republicans and 84 Democrats voting no. Five years after the Civil Rights Act of 1875, the Democrats finally get another president in office. The seventh Democrat president was Grover Cleveland. He was elected in 1884. He was the first Democrat president that was not over, overly horrible. He was considered a moderate who supported the gold standard, rebuilt the Navy with new and improved equipment, ended the Indian Wars, and lowered tariffs. However, he did have some black marks on his record as well. He holds the record for the number of vetoes in a presidential term at 414 in his first term alone. He also signed the Interstate Commerce Act Act, which decimated the Tenth Amendment. And the Tenth Amendment, if, if you're not aware of it, is more or less states' rights and the power in the people to uh, govern themselves within their states and within their locality. And has been used ever since then to bypass the amendment. He also did not support equality for African Americans or voting rights for women. And he thought that Native Americans should assimilate into mainstream society as quickly as possible rather than preserve their own cultures. He also joined the effort to repeal the Enforcement Act, which had safeguarded African Americans to vote safely. Now, Woodrow Wilson was the eighth Democrat president and was elected in 1913. Wilson was arguably the worst president in United States history, but I would need a whole other article to explain why. Yes, he had some accomplishments, but they pale to the Federal Reserve, signed a bill to given to him by the Democrat-controlled Congress making sterilization of criminals and mentally ill compulsory threw people in jail who spoke against the government, segregated the civil service in 1913, and even celebrated the KKK inside the White House. 
He made his views on African Americans very clear when he purged blacks from their positions with with the federal government. Wilson is considered the father of modern day liberals because of his ideology that Americans need to get quote beyond the declaration of independence unquote and valued quote progress over freedom. Again, progressives are regressives under all the guise of compassion. It is important to note that Wilson did, in fact, sign the Republican-pushed 19th Amendment with bipartisan support, which gave women the right to vote. It is equally important to note that in 1922, the Democrats in Congress had a successive filibuster of the dire anti-lynching bill. This was a bill that was put up by Republicans to make lynching illegal. He also um, had the, I believe it was him, that had D.W. Griffin's Birth of a Nation um, played in the White House. And it, this is a horribly racist uh, movie. I believe it's a silent film. A lot of white people in blackface makeup mixed in with some um, you know, black actors. And it's just how they are, black people are basically apes and they're, they're just gorillas. They're animals that just need to be controlled because all they want to do is just attack white women and destroy things. Um, this time period is when um, Margaret Sanger, um, she was um, born in, uh, when was she born? 1879. So at this point in her life, she's in her mid-30s, okay? She's a big advocate of um, eugenics, of sterilization, of um, getting rid of the human weeds, of population control. And this is where the whole population control thing started. Okay, This is the founder of Planned Parenthood. This is what they go for now. And it's been extremely effective for them Okay, because the percentage of population of African Americans has been what they would consider under control. Probably not as much as they like because you know they wanted to, to work it down as much as they possibly could, but these pesky Republicans kept getting in the way. The African-American population in the year 1790 was 19.3% of the entire population. Now, this is something else that, you know, pushed for the whole um, three-fifths compromise, if you've ever heard of that, where they consider a black person three-fifths of the population. And the reason why this was done um, in 1787 during the Constitutional Convention was because if they were using the Electoral College, then that and that's going by, you know, population and you're getting electoral votes and you're getting um, it within the state. You're also getting uh, popular votes for governors, for Congress, for representatives, for um, well, not senators at that time. That didn't come later. The representatives elected the senators at that time. But you had, um, you know, what you could do with the federal government and local government was largely going to be based on population. So if you counted slaves as, you know, uh, a whole people within, you know, the, the right to vote and they um, could be coerced or forced or by proxy uh, voted for by their slave owners, then that would give Democrats a huge landslide and a huge leg up. It would be like if nowadays um, you allowed equal votes by household, but it was dependent on um, how many children that you had that lived in the household, how many people actually lived in the household. And that was not 
children had to be living. It was just children in general. And of course, we know that people who vote Democrat would way, way, way outweigh Republicans because they abort more children. So all of their abortions would count. So all of their dead children would count. And they would say, well, how many children do you have? Well, if you count a child as the ones that I've aborted, we have we have a landslide. We have a ton. And so this is why this compromise was then, you know, put into place as bad as it may seem. And, and, you know, to say that somebody is three fifths of a person, it was, it, it seemed to be a necessary evil at the time. And remember that America at this time were British colonies. We fought for our independence, you know, 11 years beforehand, we were still working out what it meant to be an American society. And it's the American society that freed the slaves from the original original British uh, captivity and British control. So 20, almost 20% of the population, 19.3% of the population at that time. Okay. When Margaret Sanger came in and when the whole eugenics thing came in and the Ku Klux Klan and the Democrats running everything, let's say by, you know, 1900, that had dwindled to 11.6%, from 19.3% to 11.6%, that many African-Americans had been wiped out. Um, 20 years later, okay, in 1920, this is Margaret Sanger at the height of what she's doing, at, at, at her craziness. It's now down to 9.9%. Okay, 9.9%, over 10% have been wiped out. Okay, 1930, it moves down to 9.7%. All right. And then it slowly starts creeping up because, again, Republicans would get into control and into power and start giving black people more and more rights. But here's something that's interesting. You start to get a stagnation. Okay, in 1930, you have 9.7. In 1940, you have 9.8 percent. 1950 is 10 percent of the population is African-American from 1950 until the year 2000. It only went up 2.3 percent. 12.3% of the population in 50 years, in a 50-year increase. That, my friends, is what you call genocide. That is an American tragedy. Their campaign is working. They are destroying the black community. They are destroying black families. They are killing them. Uh, I've always thought about writing a book called A 21st Century Hand Guide on How to Kill Black People, and it's stuff like this that is doing it. They are the biggest funders of Planned Parenthood. They're the ones that keep going to it. The ninth president of Democrat president was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was elected in 1933. And like Wilson, I need a whole nother article to write about all his massive failures that we are still paying for today. So I'll keep this, try to keep this as brief as possible. Under his orders, more than a hundred thousand Japanese Americans were relocated and imprisoned during World War II for the crime of having Asian heritage. In 1936, after the Berlin Olympics, FDR invited the Af athletes who competed for the U.S. to the White House, but Jesse Owens, who had won four gold medals, humiliating Adolf Hitler because the, um, the Olympics were in Berlin that year, humiliating Adolf Hitler in the process, did not receive the invitation from the president. A famous quote from Jesse Owens was this, quote, Hitler didn't snub me, my president did, and if I could include in there, my Democrat 
president did. FDR also appointed former Klansman Senator Hugo Black to the Supreme Court and refused to comply with the Republican demand to desegregate the armed forces. He was referred to as the first dictatorial president because of his policies and attempts to stack the Supreme Court and federal agencies with people who agreed with his politics. We're going to stop here. The next episode, we're going to go to the 10th Democrat president, Harry Truman. And we're going to have, uh, we're, and we're just going to continue on with this. But as you can see, the Democrat Party is a history of racism against anyone who is not like them, anyone who they don't consider white, anyone that they don't consider um, European of descent. They hate America. They hate Indians. They hate black people. They hate Asians. And they do it all through legislating what they think they can do. Just because they have the numbers, they think that that is their right and that's what they can do. They are. They want a democracy. They want socialism. They want communism. That is their end goal. We need to stand as a constitutional representative republic against them. And even though we had to vote for Donald Trump for that, he, not being a politician, just actually may be pushing people in the direction to read discover their God-given rights that are recognized in the Constitution. This has been today's act.